mentioned that the uh, number uh, that were there at any given time was somewhere between 20 or 30, uh, but we know that uh, that uh, all the work that was done uh, was a result of way, way more than 20 or 30 folks. Uh, it involved over 100 uh, of you who helped out uh, and prayed for us. I, I had uh, asked that, that Wednesday before, I just begged, I said, would you please, please pray for us? Uh, because we didn't know what we were getting into, we didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, I've worked on a lot of different work projects, and sometimes uh, we've had some some terrible things happen uh, and some scary things happen. Uh, and so I'm just so thankful that y'all were willing to step up and pray for us as we are out uh, trying to uh, tear things up and rebuild and, and repaint. And so we certainly do appreciate that. You probably don't remember her name, uh, so I'll go ahead and tell you. Uh, it's uh, Jessica uh, McClure Morales. I don't know if any of you, does that ring a bell with anybody? Uh, maybe a few of you. If you're 35 years or older, and I'm not going to guess your age, but if you're at least 35, you know that name, or at least you know her story. Because in October 14, 1987, this young Jessica was just a baby. And she was in Midland, Texas at her aunt's uh, backyard and had accidentally slipped and fallen down into a well. A well that was only eight inches in diameter. Have you ever thought about eight inches in diameter? This is eight inches in diameter. The well was eight inches in diameter and she went down 22 feet, which depending on where I stand is about from here up to the ceiling. Immediately people began looking at how can we get baby Jessica out and it took a total of 58 hours to extract baby Jessica and the whole time there were camera crews on scene day and night trying to figure out how are we going to get baby Jessica out of that well. One thing that was mentioned that as while they were working, they were concerned about uh, whether or not Jessica would survive the ordeal. And they said later on, they said when they heard Jessica singing Winnie the Pooh from deep in the well, and they said, listen to this, this is so profound, as long as she was still singing, they knew she was alive. Think about that for just a minute. Years later, psychologists would determine that the reason why Jessica survived the well for 56 hours was because she didn't think about all the terrible things that could happen to her. And I don't know about you, but there's a lot of bad things you can start thinking about when you're down in a well 22 feet that's only 8 inches. I mean, how in the world is she going to get out of this? Just last night, Lily came uh, into our room and she was in somewhat of a panic. Uh, and, and Zeke, our dog, would not walk. He, he wouldn't walk. And so she carried him in and, and sometimes Lily, bless her heart, she can be a little dramatic. I said, he's fine, set him down. She 
him down and he immediately just kind of went lay down on his on his side and I thought, oh no and I said well you know we'll, we'll check on it later I kind of felt his leg because he's hobbling without everything's okay an hour later she came in and she was in a huge panic and she was crying and saying oh it hurts it hurts and she says I just got stung by a scorpion and I thought, oh my goodness. And she never does this, but she decided she was going to make a pallet on her floor. She was on the floor. She said she got stung. I said, well, I'm going to go look at this. I, I didn't grow up in West Texas. I didn't live in the desert. You know, I've heard of scorpions. I think I saw a movie about one that was like eight feet long. But I had no idea. So I'm going in there thinking I'm going to find this black or red scorpion. We have tan carpet in the bath, in the bedrooms. And so I'm, I'm, I'm like walking around. I'm kind of looking. And all of a sudden... Like the, the most sharp, painful thing caught hold of my baby toe. My, what did my little toe do other than step on the scorpion? And the scorpion says, hey, get off me, and somehow managed to do that. And I jumped and screamed. And I looked down, and there's a tin scorpion that's matching our carpet. So I did what every normal person would do. I ran out. <laughs> I think it's more of a hop, hobble, jump. I came back with a shoe, and I had to find the scorpion, and I want you to know, I hit the scorpion no less than 300 times. I mean, I just hit and hit and hit. I mean, I'm just going after it. And so finally, I got it. And so here's the deal. Lily's like, I don't want to go back in there. <laughs> Lily said, I don't ever want to sleep again. <laughs> She's like, I, you know, I mean, we're like, what are we going to do? So I went and found a black light, and I'm like looking around, because I've looked online, and you find a black light, and so I'm looking around everywhere. And for the rest of the night, uh, Jennifer and Lily and I, we were the only three in the house who knew about it. We were all kind of creeped out by it. Like, what happens? And Jennifer woke up in the morning, I said, how was your night? She goes, I dreamed of scorpions all night last night, you know? Because there's this fear. We have this fear that can just overwhelm us and come up, and it can almost paralyze us. Baby Jessica survived 58 hours in an 8-inch well, 22 feet below the surface because she wasn't fixated on all the bad things that could happen. You know, our spirituality, you know, I would love to talk about spirituality on a mountaintop because we've had those experiences, haven't we? Maybe when a child born and we just we could see the face of God working through that. Maybe we went through a, a tragic time and at, at the end we were rec- realized that God was there and you have this. But I tell you what, at least for me, I don't want to speak for all you, but my, this is my spirituality. And I know you think this shouldn't be like this. Maybe it shouldn't, but this is my spirituality. This is for a guy who works in a church, who people call him a minister, you know, who's surrounded by good godly every day this is my spirituality you know you just you have some ups and you, you you have some downs and several months ago folks I I got caught in a down I mean I was in a down down just honestly I mean I my spiritual bank account was I would have bounced a two cent check I was really really struggling spiritually just kind of in a bad spot. In fact, I, I remember going to the elders and saying, you know what, I'm really in a bad place and I'm having a hard time getting I'm just, I'm, I'm really struggling here. 
And I tell you what I, I did. I spent a whole lot of time confessing. I spent a whole lot of time thinking about all the ways that I had disappointed God. I spent a really long time thinking about how I was a wretch and a worm and I was terrible and I was no good. Man, I want you to know that I nailed the confession part. I was really good at saying, God, I'm just not where I want to be. I'm not living the way you want me to live. My attitude is not right. I'm just frustrated and I'm angry and, and this is not where you want me to be. And that, that became my song. That became who I was. Now, I want you to know, I think an important part of having a relationship with God and recognizing who God is, is realizing that we absolutely need Him. But let me tell you something. At some point, you have to stop looking down. What they tell you when you're on high heights, right? You know, whatever you do, don't look down. At some point, if you're like me and then you're that down point, you gotta say, I, enough of, of how bad I am. At some point, you have to start looking up. One of my favorite lines in the movie Superman was when Lois Lane, she's hanging off on, on the, uh, the edge of the, a building, the, the helicopter thing. She's dangling off the edge and just right, she loses and she starts to fall down and you see Lois, oh, she's falling down and right, she's going down, what happens? Superman comes flying up and he comes up and he catches her. And he says, don't worry, I've got you. And I love her line. Do you remember what she says? She says, you've got me, but who's got you? She was so worried about the looking down that she couldn't focus in on looking up. There is a rule to holes. If you're in one, stop digging. I want to turn to a chapter that we're all very familiar with. It's in 1 Kings chapter 19. I'll give you a, a, a brief summary of what is taking place. Uh, previous to this, we have our good friend Elijah, who in chapter uh, 15, he comes out, well, uh, even when we get uh, uh, before that, uh, we have him, he's going to be fed by ravens, uh, he's going to have a, a miracle with the widow of Zarephath. Then uh, he comes out and he sees Obadiah. And he says, hey, Obadiah, tell the king I'm coming. And Obadiah says, are you crazy? I'm not telling the king you're coming because if I go back and tell the king that you're coming and you don't show up or you change your mind, I'm in really big trouble. He says, I'm coming. And he calls them out and he says, we're going to go to Mount Carmel. And they have the showdown at Mount Carmel. Love that story. 
where he's out there, he says, okay, you build an altar, we build an altar, and each one of us is going to call on God, I'll let you go first. And they call on their gods, they're dancing, they're singing around. He doesn't show up. They start cutting themselves, and he says, hey, maybe your God, is, maybe he's asleep, or maybe he's on vacation, you know, maybe you should scream louder. Ultimately, he says, okay, my turn. He says, go get water. They pour it on, on the altar and the sacrifice. He says, go do it again. They do it again. He says, go do it a third time. They do it a third time. So as that the sacrifice, the altar, and the moat that he has made around the altar is completely saturated in water. It's soaked. He calls upon God. God sends down fire. He completely consumes the altar. And ultimately, the prophets of Baal are just destroyed. Okay? And then there's been a drought this whole time. Uh, this is why the king doesn't uh, like uh, Elijah because he says there's going to be a drought. Uh, and God says, go look up on the mountain. Ultimately, there's going to be a tiny cloud that shows up. And Elijah goes down uh, and he tells the king, he says, okay, um, there's a storm coming. You better get out of here. The king jumps on his chariot. Elijah takes his cloak, he tucks it in his belt, he starts running, he outruns the chariot. And he goes out into the desert. Fascinating. I mean, like he's been fed by birds. Okay, he did the, the miracle with the widow. He saw fire come down from heaven. The enemies were just nearly obliterated. And then he outruns a chariot with a horse. And he goes into the desert. And it's raining. All good stuff. He goes into the desert. And you remember what he does? He hears word that Jezebel has made an oath that she's going to kill him. And he plops down on the ground and he says, I want to die. Now listen to what takes place here. I want to pick up, we're in First uh, Kings uh, chapter 19, uh, starting uh, in verse uh, 9. Uh, 9 part B is where we'll start. It says, And the word of the Lord came to him. This is when he was in the desert. Uh, he gets fed, travels 40 days, and now the Lord's going to come to him. And he says, What are you doing here, Elijah? And God had just sent him there. He says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty, the Israelites, have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and they're now trying to kill me too. Like all he can do is focus in on the... He didn't mention what had just taken place at Mount Carmel. He didn't mention that he got fed by the birds. He didn't mention that he got attended to. He didn't mention that he outran the chair. All he can think about is how terrible it is. He says, you know what? I'm all alone. I just want to die. And what does the Lord do? I love this story. He says, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in an earthquake. Then after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. 
Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. And I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. So now we get to add what just taken place in Elijah's life. I don't know about you, I've never been fed by the birds. I've never out, outran a horse. I've never watched fire come down from heaven and consume an altar and then destroy all my enemies. And now there has been a wind, a fire, and an earthquake. And then in the gentle whisper, God reveals Himself. And God says, what are you doing here? And He says, I'm all alone and I don't have anybody. And they're trying to kill me. Because all Elijah can do is look down. You're probably pretty familiar with the story of baby Jessica, but you may be less familiar with a man by the name of Robert O'Donnell. He happened to be a Midland firefighter and paramedic. He was the one who went down into the well to get baby Jessica free from that well. You'll probably remember the story and maybe you can envision the picture of Robert O'Donnell handing baby Jessica up at, out of the well. And baby Jessica made it out of the well, but Robert O'Donnell didn't really ever make it out. Several years following that, he battled what was termed post-traumatic stress disorder as a result of the arduous rescue effort and struggling to cope with, listen to this, the abrupt decline of the fame and recognition that had been lavished upon him. From all the stress of those 58 hours of trying to save that little baby and coming out, he went from hero one day to as we all know what happens, he was a no-name the next. He struggled with that. In 1987, he went down in the well and in 1985, he took his own life. You see, Robert O'Donnell couldn't look up all he could do was look down. He spent the rest of his life in that well. And for some of you, that's a threat. But I pray it will never be a reality. Zach Williams sings these words in one of his songs. When he told you you're not good enough, when he told you you're not right, when he told you you're not strong enough to put up a good fight, when he told you you're not worthy, when he told you you're not loved, when he told you you're not beautiful, that you'll never be enough. Fear. He is a liar. He will take your breath. He'll stop you in your steps. Fear, he is a liar. He'll rob you of your rest. He'll steal your happiness. Cast your fear in the fire. Because fear, he is a liar. 
He goes on in verse 2 and says this, When He told you you were troubled, you'll forever be alone. When He told you you should run away, you'll never find a home. When He told you you were dirty and you should be ashamed, when He told you you could be the one that grace could never change, fear, He is a liar. He'll take your breath. He'll stop you in your steps. He'll rob you of your rest. He'll steal your happiness. Cast your fears in the fire. Because fear, He is a liar. You know, Elijah's not the only one in the Bible who struggled with looking down. And all the time, God is calling His people to look up. Joseph, he was spoiled. He was. And then he was betrayed by his brothers. And then he was thrown in the well, and they were talking about how they were going to kill him, but decided he was worth more if they sold him off. And so he became a slave. And then he ended up in Potiphar's house, and while he was there, he was slandered. And from there he went to prison. But never do we read of Joseph saying, look where I am. He never looks down. He keeps looking up. Jonah was caught looking down. And he was so mad that a plant that God had allowed him to rest under and have shade, it died, and all he could think about was himself. And God said, I want you to look up. Look at at people. What about the story of Saul changing to Paul? God didn't have to kill him. He could have blinded him and said, that's it, Saul. You're done for. But God didn't want Saul spending the rest of his life looking down. Instead, he opened his eyes because he wanted Saul to look up. I don't know about you. Maybe you're on the mountaintop. Maybe you wake up in the morning and you say God is good. Maybe you're on fire for the Lord and everything's going great. But maybe for some of you, maybe you're on a downhill slide. Maybe you hit rock bottom and you can't find your way up. Maybe you're in the 22 foot deep well and you can't imagine getting out of it. You've been told that you're not good enough. You've been told that grace won't reach you. And maybe you got like me, maybe you got really good at going over all the struggles that you had in your life and said, you want to know what? I just don't know that I can get out of this. And if you're like that, if you're in that well, I want you to know, look up. I want you to look up. Like the prodigal son returning from home, he's looking down 
He's trying to think about what he's going to say to his father. And what does he do? He looks up and his father is running to him. That's your God running to you. It's your God that would send His Son down into the well to pull you out of it. You don't have to live your life thinking you're not good enough. You don't have to believe the lies of Satan who says grace won't get to you. Get out of the well. And it just starts with looking if you're there where I've been I want you to look up to God I want you to think about how much he loves you what he's done for you the promises that he's made sacrifice that he's given that's what He did for you. He doesn't want you to stay in that well. He's calling you out. He's reaching for you. Come out of that well. Come out of that well. Today is a perfect day to be the last day in that well. We almost always offer an invitation, but especially this morning, for those of you who are gasping for air and grasping for hope, look up. Jesus is offering an invitation to you this morning. To find your way out of the well. And we can all glorify Him through it. May God be praised as we are lifted up out of the wells. If we can help you this morning, feel free to come forward and say, I'm tired of being that well. I'm broken. I'm hurt. I'm cold. I can't find Jesus and I know He's there, but I'm really struggling. If you need that, Let us literally surround you and lift you up in prayer. We have people here who will commit to praying for you daily as you struggle to look up and find your way out. Let us join you as we work our way out of the well and work towards Jesus. If we can help you in any way, please come as we stand and sing.